Um, Paul and Silas, in Acts chapter 16, if you could grab your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 16, that's where we're going to be this morning as we talk about Paul and Silas. Now, Paul and Silas were in the city of Philippi, and uh, they went there to spread the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. So they go to the city of Philippi, and uh, as they get to the city of Philippi, they meet down by the river uh, where people gathered for worship, they meet Lydia. Now, Lydia was a purveyor of fine purple linen, okay? So she sold purple cloth. Uh, she becomes a Christian. She is baptized, and she welcomes Paul and Silas into her home to stay with her for a while uh, uh, as they continue the work of spreading the gospel throughout Philippi. So she was the very first convert in the major uh, city of Philippi. Uh, one day, as Paul and Silas are continuing the work of spreading the gospel throughout Philippi, they come across a, a slave girl who was possessed by an evil spirit. And this evil spirit, it, it was actually called uh, the spirit of a python. And this evil spirit enabled her to tell the future. Now, if you had somebody who worked for you, who could tell the future with, with accuracy, possessed by a demon or not, Okay, and this person worked for you, what would you do? You would do what these slave girls' owners did, and that is they exploited her and charged money for her to tell the future for people. This was their gravy train. They're making money off this young girl. And so uh, she's walking around one day with uh, Paul and Silas, and look at verse 17. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, <coughs> excuse me, uh, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. So this amazing sequence of events takes place. And uh, it ends up leading to uh, an earthquake and attempted suicide and a lot of baptisms. Because Paul casts this demon out of this Girl, And we'll talk a little bit more about that story in just a little bit. Um, today we're going to continue in our sermon series, the Summer Concert Series. And we're looking at hit songs from the past eight decades. And we're using the sermon titles. Uh, our sermon titles are song titles from the last eight decades. Last week we talked about the song Sentimental Journey. And Sentimental Journey was a hit in the 1940s by Doris Day uh, and... Uh, Les Brown and his band of renown. Uh, and uh, so uh, we uh, talked about how Paul refused to take a sentimental journey through his past. And instead, he looked to the future. And he looked to the future, the glorious future that God had for him through his son, Jesus Christ. Today, we are talking about Jailhouse Rock. Now, if I had really prepared and I was a really decent guitar player, I would have grabbed Brandon's guitar, his new guitar, and thrown it over my shoulder and just... Maybe not. John could play it, yeah. But uh, uh, Jailhouse Rock, one of Elvis Presley's biggest hits, one of the biggest hits, if not the biggest hit of the 1950s, launched his career. Okay, Elvis Presley, uh, one of the, the, the... Well, what was he known as? The, the king of rock and roll, right? Uh-huh, oh, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here and doing the sermon today. Uh-huh, oh, thank you very much. But uh, it's one of Elvis's biggest hits. But today, there is no warden throwing a party in the county jail. There is no prison band, and they are not starting to wail. But rather, we're going to talk about uh, 
two kinds of rocking that took place in the jail in Philippi. There were two kinds of rocking that took place. And we'll talk about those in just a little bit. So uh, if you got your Bible, like I said, grab your Bible, turn to Acts 16. If you haven't done it yet, you can do that now. Uh, and we're going to look at today two ways that we can respond to difficult circumstances in our lives. There's two ways that we can respond to difficult circumstances in our lives. If you would turn to the back page of your bulletin, you'll find the HDO, Handy Dandy Outline. You can fill in some blanks with us this morning uh, as we talk about these two ways that we can respond to difficult circumstances in our lives. Let's pick it up uh, back in Acts 16 and starting in verse 17 again. Uh, this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Continuing on in verse 19. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their, their feet in stocks. So Paul and Silas do a wonderful thing. In the name of Jesus Christ, they free this young slave girl from her bondage to this demon. They free her from this possession by this demon. They set her free. They set her free not only from demon possession, but they set her free from exploitation by her owners. So she's been set free, but the problem is, like I said, she cost her owners, or they cost her owners their gravy train. They're not making any money off this girl anymore, and this, what happens when you cut off somebody's source of income? They're not happy. These guys, the, her owners, were not happy at all. In fact, they... they uh, they run to the magistrates and they tell on Paul and Silas, say these guys are causing an uproar in our city. Basically, they're causing an uproar in our lives and we want you to do something about it. So the magistrates have them uh, arrested and then they have them stripped and they have them beaten. And the way that the, the guards, the, the, the police of the day would beat you is they had big, uh, they took reeds and they tied them together and then they beat you within an inch of your life. And that's what they do to Paul and Silas. They severely flog them, the Bible says. So here they are. They've been severely flogged, and they're thrown into prison in the inner cell. They are thrown into the stocks, which, you know, if you've seen old cartoons of, uh, you know what I'm talking about, the stocks where they had the holes here and the holes down here and put your head in and everything like that. Only it wasn't just four holes that the Romans had. The Romans were very creative in their torture of people. And what they would do is they would take and they would make several holes for your feet to go through so that they would twist and contort and something like that. Maybe not exactly like that, but something like that. And they would twist your body and contort it in such ways to make it even more painful when they put your feet in the stocks. Now, I'm glad that I didn't think ahead about this and get a set of stocks for me to put my body in because that would be very difficult to preach from. But they, they were tortured, they were beaten and thrown into prison. And it was there uh, that... Well, the jailhouse started to rock. Let's continue on. Uh, 
This is the crazy part of the story. Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So midnight, beaten, tortured, thrown into prison, no hope of getting out. It's midnight, and what are Paul and Silas doing? They're praising God. They're singing, and they're worshiping. They're worshiping God. Again, they've been beaten within an inch of their lives. They are in the stocks. Their bodies are twisted and contorted, and they are in incredible pain. And yet they're worshiping, and they're praying, and they're praising God. That doesn't sound right, does it? They are worshiping God Almighty. And you know what God does? Well, the jailhouse. Well, that's one way the jailhouse is rocking. They're singing praises to God. They're rocking the jailhouse that way. And then there's another way the jailhouse rocked. Look at verse 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. You know, I think about this story and I think about the bad circumstances that Paul and Silas found themselves in, that they ended up in. And I think about another guy in the Bible who had some pretty rotten, crummy circumstances, and his name was Job. And over in uh, Job chapter 1, we read the story of how the angels were presenting themselves to God. And the Bible says that Satan also presented himself to God, that Satan was with them. And so the devil goes and he presents himself to God. And in Job chapter 1, verse 8, God had asked Satan where he had been. He said he had been roaming the earth. And uh, this is what God says to Satan in Job chapter 1, verse 8. He says, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Satan says that the reason Job worships God, that the reason Job praises God, that the reason Job fears God and does the right things is because God has blessed him so much, that you have given so many blessings to Job that of course he's going to praise you. If you took all those things away, and he basically he dares God to take it all away from him, if you take all his stuff away, if you take all his blessings away, he will curse you. That's what Satan says. In Job chapter 1, verse 11, we see that God says to, Je- to Satan that he is allowed, he allows Satan to do horrible things to Job's family and his things. He loses his donkeys, his cattle, his camels, and his sheep. Many of his servants were attacked and put to death. And finally, in, in, in probably the, what is maybe the worst thing that happens to Job, his family is eating uh, and feasting, and a wind comes and shakes the house that they're in and, and destroys the foundation, and the roof caves in and kills all of his children in one fell swoop. And this all happens in, in succession over and over again. Your sheep have been killed, your camels have been killed, your cattle have been killed, your servants have been killed, and now your children have been killed. And this is what Job does. This is what Job doesn't say, oh God, why me? Why me, God? What have I done to deserve this? Nope. He doesn't say, you know what? I don't buy it. I don't believe it. There is no God. He doesn't give up on his faith. He, nope. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, what kind of a God would do this to me? No, this is what Job does. Look at up here, Job 1, 20 through 22. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Could you imagine? 
Losing everything that was important to you, nearly everything that mattered to you, nearly all your earthly possessions, losing nearly everyone that you loved, all your children, and then saying to God, you know what, You 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 gave it all to me, and you can take it away whenever you want. I will praise your name. No matter what happens, I will praise your name. That is worshiping in bad circumstances, and that's the first blank on your outline this morning, is worshiping God in bad circumstances. You want to know something? Here's a revelation, okay? Here's, here's something that you've probably never considered. Maybe you've never even thought of. Ready? Three words. Life is hard. <laughs> You're thinking, yeah, no, duh. Two words, no, duh. That's what we used to say when I was a kid. We'd look at each other, no, duh. Life is hard. It really is. Bad things happen in our lives. Bad things, bad situations arise. Bad things happen to everyone. No one is exempt. No one is exempt. God, we are told in Scripture, Jesus said that God doesn't play favorites. God doesn't play favorites. You know, and here's another thing. I don't know why. I wish he did. You know, here I am, God's little cheerleader on earth, right? Yay, God. Yay, God. Telling people about how to get to heaven. Telling people about Jesus week in and week out. You know, loving what I do. Loving God. Loving others. Spreading the gospel. Doing this thing. And I would love it if God said, of course I'm going to bless you over and over and over and over and over. And and mansions on hills. And Rolls Royces in the garage. and, And all these things. And all these material blessings. But you know what? Why would I need God then? But you know what? Life is hard. Life is difficult. Bad circumstances and bad situations happen to everyone. God doesn't play favorites. And like I said, I don't know why. You know, why does a baby die in the middle of the night? For no apparent reason. Why do healthy people lose their health in the blink of an eye? Why do companies lay off hundreds of workers without any repercussions? Why do spouses cheat and leave their their spouse and their kids and their families and they never look back? Termites! Why termites? (laughs) For those of you who don't know, my house was eaten by termites five years ago. I completely, like, destroyed. They had to take the front of my house on and off and rebuild it. Termites. Why termites? Or carpenter ants. That's across the alley from me. But, you know, we think we're doing okay... We're trying our best, and we want to please God, and yet somehow, some way, the rug is pulled out from underneath us. And we start to wonder, why? Why is this happening? How can I, you know, how do I respond in this situation? How do I respond when my life is crumbling and falling apart? You know, hard times still come. We all got them. We all face them. And, and what's worse to me, okay, this may not be you. This may not be you, but this is me. What's worse is when I see people who seem to just don't even care about God. They have no fear of God, no honor of God in their lives, no apparent honor of God. I don't know their hearts. God knows their hearts. But it just apparently it seems like there's no honor of God in their lives, and yet they seem to thrive and prosper. Any of you know people like this? Or any of you see people like this? No, I'm the only one. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll stop that. No, you do see people like And you wonder, what is going on here? Why are the, ba- why are the tips, uh, the scales... So out of balance, or so it seems, right? I mean, this is the human side of us. Let's all be human for just a minute, 
Okay, let's take off our Sunday morning mask and let's all go back to being human for just a moment. And we realize, you know what? Life is hard. Bad circumstances happen. Bad situations, uh, we find ourselves in bad situations. Life is hard. And life, is, is, is life fair? No. But not, God never promises fair. We all go through, and I, we are, no one is exempt we all go through tests of our faith. We all go through trials in our lives. We have tests and we have tribulations. We have days that make us doubt. And if, if, if you say, no, I never doubt. Even in hard times. You, yeah, that's right, Barbara. Mm-mm. Everyone goes through it. We all go through it. Now the question is, how are we going to respond to it? How do we respond to the hard times? How do we respond to the trials and the tests? There's two options. You can do what Job did. You can do what Paul and Silas did. You can worship or you can walk away. That's it. That's that's about it. You can worship God and say, God, no matter what happens, you are still God and you are still in control and I will worship you because you are God. Or you can walk away say, you know what, I don't need this. I, I, I've had enough. I, I don't know that I can believe anything anymore. And you let your doubts overtake you and you just say, forget it, I'm done, I'm out of here. Those are your two options. We can bless God and honor Him and we can worship Him because we trust Him. Or you can walk away your faith from your faith. And I tell you what, too many people walk away. Too many people give up and just say, it's too hard. And they walk away from the one who can hold them together. Because that's the thing, is that God knows what he's doing. He knows he's in control and he sees you. He knows what you're going through and he is loving you through it. And he is, whether you realize it or not, he is holding your life together. When you think that you can't go any further and yet you somehow keep going on, that's God holding you together. When you think, I just can't make it, I can't persevere, that's God holding you together. In the book of James, it talks about uh, trials, and it talks about tests, and that it is in the trials and the tests of our lives when our faith is proved true and genuine and pure. Trials are the refining fire of our faith. That without the trials, without the tests, our faith would never grow. It's when we are put to the test and when we are put to the trial that our faith grows and we become more mature. Our, our faith is proved real and genuine. And James says that we are to rejoice when we face trials of many times because that means our faith is growing and our faith is maturing and then we can worship in the trials and we can worship in the tests instead of walking away. How many of you ever felt like just giving up? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but you ever feel like giving up? Just saying, you know, I, I don't know that I can do this anymore. You can. By God's grace and by God's power and by God's strength, you will get through the trial and you will get through the test and your faith will grow and be mature and you will learn how to persevere when the next trial comes and there will be more. There will be more. So we can worship God in bad circumstances. The other thing that we can do is when we face unlikely circumstances is we can witness. We can witness about Christ in unlikely circumstances. We'll get to that in just a second. You know, God does some amazing things in this story. And the story doesn't end with the earthquake. But look at Acts 16, verses 27 through 34. 
The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in, the Lord, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. This jailer is about to end his life. He is responsible for all of these prisoners. And when morning comes and the earthquake has shaken, everyone's chains free and they walk out the door scot-free, the Romans are going to show up and say, hey, what happened? Where is everybody? And he says, you know what? Forget it. I'm gonna, I know what the Romans are going to do to me. I'm just going to do this to myself. And he's about to kill himself when all of a sudden Paul and Silas say, no, 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 no. We're all here. Every single one of us, we're all here. I don't know if Paul and Silas convinced all the others to stay. And they said, guys, don't go anywhere. And the others were looking at them like, what are you talking about? The door is open. Let's go. But no, they, all the prisoners stay. All the prisoners stay. And when the jailer comes in and he sees that everyone has stayed, he falls at Paul and Silas' feet and he says, what must I do to be saved? And this these bad circumstances becomes an unlikely opportunity to witness about Christ. And that is, like I said, the last blank on your outline is witnessing about Christ in unlikely circumstances. When God does something amazing and when God does something extraordinary in our lives, we need to testify to God's love and goodness. See, it's not just about bad circumstances. It's not just about when bad things happen to us. That we say, I have a choice, I've got to worship or walk away, I'm going to worship God. But God uses these bad circumstances and these unlikely circumstances in our lives, he uses them to bring other people to him. Paul and Silas could have run away to safety. They could have said, this is our chance. The stocks are open, the cells are open, let's go. Let's get back to our people where we're safe, they can bandage our wounds and, and heal us up and, and we can continue on. But they didn't. They stayed and they saved the jailer's life. And they gave him so much more because he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And the Bible says that they shared the gospel with him. They spoke the word of the Lord with him. And then all, him and all his family were baptized, immediately baptized. That's one of the reasons that we do baptism here the way we do it, that we offer an invitation every Sunday. We offer that invitation because we want you to know that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you should be baptized immediately. If you come here on a Sunday morning, you're like, I have no idea what this church thing is about. And you come in and you say, you know what? I, yeah, this makes sense. And, and I need to become a Christian. I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus. We offer an invitation. You need to come forward and you need to be baptized. And you can, do that. you can even do that today. We'll do that in just a minute. But that's why we do it. It's because in the Bible, in the book of Acts, whenever anybody came to faith in Jesus, they were immediately baptized by immersion. They put their faith and trust in Christ and then they were baptized and they went on their way rejoicing you know when we sing songs of praise and we worship and honor god even in the bad circumstances of our life people notice see people are watching you your neighbors are watching you your co-workers are watching you your children are watching you people are watching you and they want to see how you respond they know that you're a christian 
They know that you love Jesus. They know that you follow God. They know that you go to church. Because they ask you, what would you do this weekend? Huh, I went to church. And they, they, they watch you. How, does, how is he going to respond? Because they know about your situations. They know about, because they hear you. You talk about, oh yeah, man, this terrible thing happened in my life. Oh, really, that's too bad. What did you do? Well, I prayed about it and I, I asked God to give me strength. We testify to God's love. We testify to his power. We testify to his goodness. We, wor- we, uh, we worship God and then we witness about Christ to people. That's part of what we do here. You know, if you handle a situation, if you handle a bad situation with perseverance and you get through an unlikely, you'll have this unlikely opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Remember our mission statement to love God, love others, and spread the gospel? That's what we're called to do is to love God, love others, and tell people about Jesus. And if you handle a situation with perseverance and character and maturity, people will say, man, there's something different about you. You know, I I see something different about you. How did you handle it? How did you survive? And you've got to be ready to tell people about Jesus. Everyone's got a story. Everybody's got a story. What's yours? How did you find Jesus? Or how did Jesus find you? What difference does Jesus make in your life on a daily basis? What What difference does God make in your life each day? How does he give you strength to overcome trials? How does he give you power to make it through difficulties? How does he provide for your needs when you don't think anyone is going to? When your loved one died, somebody who was really close to you, a a grandparent or, or a parent or a sibling or a spouse, when someone you loved died or a child, how did you make it through? How did you survive? How did God give you strength? When your child was really, really sick and you had to take him to the hospital and you didn't know what was going to happen, and yet God healed that child, how did God work in that situation? When you were betrayed by a spouse, how has God healed your heart? And, and helped you to forgive. You lost your job. Or you lost your place to live. How has God provided for you. Even in the midst of these trying circumstances. How has God continued to put food on the table. Even though you don't have a job. How has God put a roof over your head. Even though you didn't have a place to live. You didn't know how you were going to make it. And yet you made it. By the power and grace of God. He has provided. He has healed. He has taken care of you. And held you so close that without him you never could have made it. You see, we need a new perspective. We need a new perspective. We need to view every uh, every circumstance as an opportunity to either worship or to witness. That's what we're called to do. And this is hard. This is hard. Because when life is going bad, these are the last two things we want to do. We don't want to worship God. We want to, we question God. Why? Why is this going on? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? And we don't want to tell other people about Jesus. We, we want to focus on ourselves and focus on our problems and our trials and our tests. I don't want to tell people about Jesus. I need Jesus to help me. But this is what we're called to do. Even though it seems like all we want to do is just survive, we have to realize that God has a greater purpose for the trials and tests in our lives. Look at James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We're going to show you this here. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Our mission statement, like I said, is we're all about becoming disciples 
who make disciples, who love God, love others, and spread the gospel. And it's not easy. But we have to find the opportunity to either worship or to witness in every circumstance and every situation. This is a mature and healthy perspective that it's not about my problem, it's not about my circumstance, it's not about my situation, it's about what God is going to do in my life and what God is going to do in your life. He can rock the jailhouses, folks, like no one else can. And he rocked the jailhouse back in Acts 16 better than Elvis Presley could have dreamed of. He rocked the jailhouse. And in the jailhouse, Paul and Silas had an opportunity to worship and to witness, and they did both. And when we will do that, when we will honor God and worship God and witness about Christ, God will be praised and he will be glorified and lives will be changed. Heavenly Father, I pray for a new perspective. I pray that you would give us the opportunity to see your face to see your will, to see your power, and to see your grace in our lives. That even in the midst of difficult circumstances, in the hardest of times, in the trials and the tests, that God, you would help us to overcome these things, that you would give us power and perseverance and, and persistence to overcome the circumstances of our lives. Help us to turn to you in our hour of need. Help us to have strength to worship and not walk away. And I pray today that, God, you give us an opportunity to testify and to witness about who Jesus is and the difference he makes in our lives. We give you praise and glory today. And I know that there are people who hear my voice right now who are in the midst of a hard circumstance, who are in the midst of a test and a trial. And I pray that, God, they would see you uh, and your power and your grace behind the situation and that, Lord, they would know that you're going to get them through. So help us, God, in our hour of need to get through and to survive and to worship and to witness. We pray these things in Jesus' name.